Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. And I'm thankful that we get to gather as his people uh, this morning and to lift high uh, the name of Jesus. And we're going to jump in uh, to his word. We're in uh, 1 Peter. Uh, we're going to be in chapter number 2 uh, this morning. And we're going we're gonna to try to walk through uh, 10 verses. And uh, those of you that are uh, a guest, you may not know what kind of feat that may be uh, for us this morning. But we're going to try to navigate uh, through this with this theme and this thought of us growing up uh, together. And so if you want to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Second Peter, or excuse me, to First Peter uh, chapter number 2, uh, we're going to begin in verse 1. And I want to read those 10 verses, and then we are going uh, to jump in. Uh, beginning in verse 1, Scripture says this, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk... Of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, and coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful. God, we are grateful for your word. God, we are thankful for, God, the truth that we, God, see, God, in your word, Lord, that you are holy, Lord, and that you've called us, God, to grow up in you, Father, that you would change us from the inside out, Lord, that you would allow us to live our lives as Christ lives through us. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would change us. Lord, we pray, God, that you would Save those, Lord, if, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, God, we pray that uh, your word, uh, God, might speak to their hearts in a way that uh, might save them, Lord, that might change them, Lord, that might transfer them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved Son, Lord, and that we might all be changed for your glory, God, that we might be salt, Lord, that we might be light in the midst of this world. Father, we love you, and we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, uh, amen. So this past Wednesday, uh, we gathered for a new class that uh, had kicked off, and so uh, had a, a great time there, uh, was able to, to just connect in and uh, spend some time together as we looked at this thought of you and me together uh, forever. And 
uh, Ed Ruiz is the teacher that was leading that class, and in case I get hungry, um, it's serious, yeah. Anytime you get a waist high Reese cup, man, that's awesome. And so Ed is the teacher of, of that class, and as Ed uh, began to share with us, he said, you know, he said, I, I, I really only teach youth. He said, I haven't uh, taught, uh, I really don't teach adults. And so the ones of us that were in the room there, we said, well, good news, because you've got a bunch of students, right, a bunch of youth uh, in here. And the reality is that many times uh, we really don't want to grow up. And I, I don't, you know, there's a certain sense of that, that's that kind of that fun uh, dynamic that we enjoy and the, this thought of, uh, of being uh, a little young at heart is a good thing, right? Any, anybody young at heart in the room, right, still want to be that way? Sometimes that causes us injuries, right? Sometimes uh, it, it does that. My, my little girl, we, we had to go to the, the ortho. She, she said something that I would say sometimes. She said, Dad, watch this. I learned a new trick. Anytime you say that, it's bad news, right? And so uh, she was in our living room and decided, now since she's been a little girl, she's kind of cartwheeled everywhere. And so she does this little flip and uh, gets off balance just a little bit and lands and hits her foot. And, and so we, we had to get that checked out and she'd broken a, a bone. And so we were kind of navigating that. But when we're there and anybody heard that we were at the ortho, immediately they said, what did Jason do? Because it was, <laughs> it was kind of obvious that normally it is me uh, that kind of does those kind of things, you know. And so as we grow up, there's things that change in our lives. A lot of times we spend time uh, wishing maybe that we were older. Some of you young folks in here, you may say, you know what, I can't wait until this takes place. Maybe I get my driver's license. Maybe I'm uh, in this stage of life. And we look uh, toward those kind of things. And as parents, I mean, we, we sometimes want to rush things a little bit. Uh, when Hope was first born, all she did was cry. Like, I mean, that was it. And so we could not wait, right, to get past that stage because we just wanted her to stop crying. I was talking to Sherry about it, and she said, actually, she said that was worse than 2020. So, I mean, it's just kind of like that moment that we're looking at. And, and seriously, she would just cry all the time. So we couldn't wait for her to get past uh, that stage. Some of you may have kids that have arrived in middle school, and maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're like, I don't know. Who, are, who is that? Right? And, and so there's kind of times that we think that direction. As parents, though, we recognize that when we get a little bit older, all of a sudden you have to do your own laundry. Uh, some of you may have to do that already if you're students, and that's not a bad thing. But, uh, but sometimes we, we think about those kind of things. But the truth is, you know, if, if we walked in our student ministry class this morning, and if we walked in there, and, and maybe those of you that are, um, maybe you're, you're between uh, elementary school to high school, and if we were to, uh, to kind of survey, and y'all got diapers, no, don't raise your hand, um, but, but if you were like still wearing diapers, right, and we know there's different situations, different problems, different things that can happen, but, but as a rule, you know, if we're still engaged in that kind of thing, if we're still wearing diapers and we're that age, then there's some problems, right, and I, I, we want to go past that, but Peter's writing to these believers, and in this passage, he's talking to them, and in the final part of chapter 1, there's really been this charge that we would grow up in Christ. And so he's writing to these believers. They're scattered. They're exiled. Uh, they're facing difficult times. He's written to them, and he says that, that, that they've been born again into a living hope. Because of that, he says there's this incredible inheritance, right, that's being kept for them in heaven, that there's this, this growth that, uh, that they're to, to take place in their life. And we're going to look back just a touch at that. Their hope, though, is not to be in the things of this world, 
their hope is not to be in these current moments that they might be experiencing, but their hope is to be at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Their hope uh, is to uh, be in him, and he encourages them to press on and to grow up in him. Last week, we looked at this reverent fear that they were to have, and that this reverent fear produced something in their lives that was different, right? That there was to be this radical love that God's people displayed in response to his grace and in response to the work that he has done uh, in their life. And so, as we look in today, we recognize when we're born again, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are spiritual infants, right? We are uh, young, we're, 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 we start out as infants in Christ, and many of you may have seen this image at one time we, we put up a couple of years ago, and we talked a little bit about where we're at uh, in stages of being a disciple. And so when we, you know, you could put dead at the top, right? You could, if you wanted to start there, and then we're, uh, we're born again, right? And we uh, have life, we pass from death to life, and we become an infant in Christ. We're born again into this living hope, and so we're uh, an infant, and an infant does uh, different things, right? They don't really communicate very well. Uh, like Hope, she would cry a lot, and so it was very difficult to know what she wanted. Uh, Grant, on the other hand, when he would cry, we knew, hey, he either needs something to, to drink or, oh, uh, we know what that is, right? So they would tell you kind of what was going on in their life. So there's this infant stage. They really don't know a lot, and so we're pouring into them. You don't leave them alone. There's a lot of things that, you know, you're trying to uh, to invest in them. And then a little older, they become a child, right? They begin to grow a little bit. And children, if you haven't noticed, are uh, really all about themselves. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but if you've kept the nursery, if you've got, uh, when they grow up to be a little older, you don't really have to teach them uh, things like, uh, this is mine, or I want this. Uh, many of you may have had a child, and you've been in the uh, the, the line at Walmart, and those people are evil, right? They put Hot Wheels and candy bars and all that kind of stuff. And, and maybe there's a certain season, because I, I used to think that it would never happen to me, but, but the reality is that it probably happens to everybody at least at some point where this kid says, you know what, I want that. And I, don't, I, I will demonstrate how much I want that by laying in the floor and crying for just a minute, right? And, 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 and all parents kind of think when they, before their parents, they're like, there's no way that could ever happen. And, and, the, and the reality is that when a child wants something like that, they can be melting down for anything. And if you'll give them their way in that moment, if you'll give them what they need, they'll immediately go from pitching a fit to being good. But you can guarantee the next time you're in Walmart, they're going to do uh, the same thing, right? So you have to walk through those things. But we see them as children. Their emotions are high, right? You can take the passy out of a kid, and a kid will cry. You put the passy back in, and they're happy. And you tell the kid, no, the kid will cry they say, hey, let's go play in the pool. And it's like an immediate kind of thing. Well, that's not so far different from uh, young Christians, right? We love Jesus, and we say, you know what? I've, I've come to faith in Christ, and everything's going well, and we love Jesus. And then all of a sudden, something happens in our life that is not going the way that they thought. And they say, where is God in this moment? What's happened? Why is he abandoning me? And, and there's these kind of pictures that we can relate to as we look at our life as we grow in Christ. And then all of a sudden, maybe you think of a young adult, and it's amazing how much people learn in just a few years. So you go from like middle school, high school, and you're like, my parents know nothing. And then all of a sudden you're a young adult and you're like, my parents were brilliant. I had no idea that they were this smart, right? I didn't know how much they learned in such a short time. But, but we think about those things and as a young adult, all of a sudden there's different responsibilities. There's different things that uh, you, you're kind of recognizing. You're realizing, hey, life's not all about me. Life's not all about uh, just the, the needs that I have. I see there's a bigger picture in that. 
And then there's this thought of being a parent. And so there's this, this, this picture when all of a sudden we have a child. And those of you that have children, you can remember what it was like to look and see all of a sudden you're responsible for this child. And, and we want to see them grow, right? We want to see them mature in not only their, uh, just the way that they live in this world, but in their, that we want to see them have faith in Christ and we want to pour into their lives. And there's this picture as a parent all of a sudden we realize that, hey, we're responsible for other people. And as we grow in Christ, right, we understand that we are uh, like that, right, that, that we have a responsibility to make disciples, that we're, we have a responsibility to help others grow in Christ. And so there's this command that Peter's giving for, for this church and for these people to grow. And the first thing he says is they're going to grow in love by the Word. Let's look back at chapter 1 uh, just for a second, verse 22 and 23. And he says, since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. And so there's this, uh, this command, this, this picture, he says you've purified your souls uh, through the, in obedience to the truth for a love of the brethren, this, this Philadelphia, this phileo love, this brotherly love. And then he says, fervently love one another from the heart for you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring Word of God. And so if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you've been saved, then you've been born again uh, by the Word of God, right? You have been, you've encountered the Word of God. That might have been through a friend. It might have been through a Sunday school teacher that was teaching you, but but you have uh, come to faith in Christ through the Word of God. And he says, because of that, he said, you're to love from a pure heart. He says, you, you're, you're, uh, souls for a sincere love of the brethren fervently love one another from the heart. So there's this picture of loving with pure motives. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that wanted something from you, but the way that they loved, maybe they did nice things for you. I remember growing up, and I went to school then here at Cowley School, and I can remember being down on the playground, and I wasn't the most popular kid uh, in school. Maybe when I was in the third grade, I weighed the same thing I did now, close. Um, but I'm not sure if that affected it or not, but Maybe not quite that big. Uh, Coach Morgan's got some good basketball pictures, has some big old glasses. I was, and I wasn't the coolest kid maybe, okay? And so, um, but, but I got something for Christmas or my birthday or something like that that made me cool. And I don't know if you remember, like this Reese cup would have made me cool um, that day. And so, I don't know if you remember, they used to have these, these boom boxes. And so now, if you're cool, like, like anybody that's carrying around like this speaker, I'm not sure if I'll mess anything up, I would pick that up, but I'm probably going to cause some kind of problem. I was looking for something good to carry. But, I mean, it was kind of like this. And so you carry this thing right up here. And, and like, I, the Lord forgave me. I, I probably listened like the Beastie Boys or something. And so, and so I was like, you know, you're in the second or third grade, and you got this boom box. And now, if you're cool, you got, like, AirPods. So if you're, if you're young, you got, like, a little small uh, AirPod in your, in your ear. But back then... You had a boombox, and so this thing was like this big, and my parents had got it for me. It had big speakers, and I can remember showing up for school that day, and like, boom, boom, you know, and you're like, like those, those little speakers y'all have for the shower now, they're like better than my boombox was, right? But, but it's just changed a lot, and so I got to school that day, and I remember like all the people that used to not be my friends, like they want to be my friends because on recess, I'm going to have the boombox on the playground, and we're going we're gonna to be jamming, and so... But sometimes we experience people that may show us love for the wrong motives. 
Some of you may have had a, a position change in your work, and all of a sudden, people that used to not befriend you, now they're being your friend, and they're being nice to you because they think that you can uh, have some type of benefit uh, from them. And, and he's saying that we want to have this pure heart, not that we, we don't love because we feel like we can love people and get something in return, but we love in a pure heart out of the grace that's been extended to us. And then he picks up in chapter 2, and we just had to have the context because chapter 2 begins with a very important word. Chapter 2 says, therefore. And so anytime you see the word therefore, Pastor Chris always reminds us that you have to know what it's there for. So you got to figure out that what's the context, what's going on. So that's what's been happening. We've been born again, right, according to the word of God. You've been called to this sincere love. He, he says that, that you were nothing, right, that, that you were, uh, that, that the grass withers, the flower fades. He quotes Isaiah. He said all that. You're passing away. And then all of a sudden, uh, the word of God stands forever. You've been changed by the word of God. You've been saved by the word of God, and now you're to live by the Word of God, and because of that, he says, therefore, you're to love in this way, and you're to grow in love by the Word. He says, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, so, so you've experienced the power of the Word. It's saved you by the Word of God. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son. You've been transferred from being an enemy to being a son. And by the power of the Word of God, you've been given a new heart, a new life. But the reality is that it's through the Word of God that He transforms our mind. He says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Romans 12, we see this picture of how God works. And He said that, that we... We would recognize in this that, that God's Word is necessary for us to be saved. It's necessary for conversion, and it's necessary for our growth. It's necessary for our salvation, and it's necessary for our sanctification. And he says we're to love fervently. We're to grow in this love. And then in verse 1, he says there's some things that will contaminate your love and make it no good. And so... Um, I've got some toilet water here. Um, don't worry. Um, I sanitized it. I got like my spray sanitizer. So I can hold it. And we can shake hands. We're really not supposed to do that right now. But, but I got some toilet water here. And I really don't know whose water I have. But I, I got some toilet water. Now it's safe. And... You know, whoever this belongs to, thank you for letting me use it as a prop. I've got a fresh one down there you can have later. But this toilet water here, if I put a little bit of that in there, it's probably not real likely that whoever in the band that this belongs to is going to be real excited about drinking it. Um, and Peter says that you've been saved by the Word of God and that you've been commanded to love with this sincere and this fervent love that's from the heart. And he said there's some things in your life that'll contaminate that and make it no good. Now, we can't imagine drinking this after we squirted toilet water in there. But he says, putting aside all malice. Now, we, we see this, this malice, this ill will toward one another. He says, put aside that. He said deceit and hypocrisy and, and those kind of things, they reveal that this love is from a, a bad motive. So if there's hypocrisy, um, it, it requires uh, trust in order for people to receive the love that, that we might share 
to them, and it takes away that kind of trust. There's this thought of envy. Like these people, they wanted to hang out with me because I had a big boombox, right? I'd be like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything to do. There wasn't anything sincere about that. Tomorrow, if I didn't have that, nobody's playing with me on the playground, right? But because I brought that, so there's, there's this picture of envy. There's this picture of, uh, of us. Instead of us wanting the best for others, we really just have a desire to, to like, further our own uh, good. We, we actually really hope for maybe other people's downfall rather than their success, but God wants us to have this desire that he might be glorified. And when our desire is that he might be glorified and not us, then we can encourage other people. This picture of slander, he, he says that, that envy and all slander, and this is not just limited just to to false stories that might be said, but these dis- disparaging others. And we, we know what that is, right? We just came through an election cycle, right? We know what those kind of things are. We see that uh, and, and Peter says as we grow in our walk that there's some things that we want to leave behind because those things are going to destroy our love. Now, I'm going to leave this over in case somebody, fans kind of thirsty. I'll put that back, and you're welcome um, to have that. I actually got the water out of the tank. It still looked pretty gross, so it wasn't, but it is toilet water. Um, but we're to grow in love by the Word, right? We see that in chapter 1. We're to grow in our longing for the word. Look at verse 2. He says, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. And I brought this Reese cup because that goes good with pure milk. And just this thought of longing for something. He said, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Now, now, this isn't a picture. We looked at the stages of a Christian life, and we said, hey, when we come to faith in Christ, we're an infant. But this isn't saying that just infants should desire the sincere milk of the Word. But what he's saying is no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ, no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how many years you have been saved, no matter any of those things like newborn babies, it's, a, it's an illustration for us. And we've seen a newborn baby how they long for that milk. Like you can give them a pacifier for a little while, you can do little rattles, and you can do all that. But there's a longing that they have and a hunger that they have have that is only satisfied with the pure milk that they uh, can have. And, and God has designed it that way. And when we are born again and we come into the family of God, it's a litmus test, right, for our salvation that we have a longing for the Word of God. And, and Peter says that, that when we uh, examine ourselves and we look, no matter where we're at in that discipleship process, that we should long for the pure milk of the Word because it is critical to being to growing in our Christian life. The Word of God is critical. We long for the world. That Word, that is how we grow. Howard Hendricks, who is a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, says this, uh, many of us want a Word from God, but we don't want the Word of God. We know enough to own a Bible. This can be pretty convicting, right? We know enough to own a Bible, but not enough for the Bible to own us. We pay the Bible lip service, but we fail to give it life service. And in a world where the only absolute is that there are no absolutes, there is little room left for the authoritative Word of God as revealed in the Bible. That's the culture that we find ourselves in. Robbie Gallaty says that we are to get in the Word until the Word gets in to us. You know, I love these truisms, right, that, that God's Word will keep you from sin Sin will keep you from his word. And sometimes that's the reality. Some of you say, you know what, I used to long for the milk of the word, but the reality is that maybe there's sin that we're just harboring onto. Maybe there's things, 
right? I mean, I know that this is only going to nourish me so good, right? Like, I, I, probably, I probably shouldn't eat all this in one setting, right? But there's a, there's a longing because, man, there's satisfaction in this. Like, I could, I could just pause right now if y'all wait long enough, and I could just eat the whole thing, right? Because it looks so good, right? I, I had one the other week that, that, that uh, uh, someone gave me, and, and it was this big, right? And, and the, the Reese cups were that big around, and I'm thinking the whole time I'm preaching, I'm like, I know what I'm having for lunch, right? And I... But, but there's not nourishment that's going to be good in the midst of that. But it's very satisfying. And there are things in this world that will satisfy the cravings of our flesh. But the reality is that they're not growing us. <laughs> that thing will grow me, all right. But it ain't going to grow me, right? It, it moves me back toward the playground in third day. I might have a boombox. But it, it, when, when you don't, when you're not nourished in the things that are good, and, and that can happen in our lives, right? That can be there. Dusty Bible, right, leads to what? Dirty lives. We see all those things, but they're so true. They're so true. Here's, here's our heart as a church. You can put the little graphic up there of the disciples, and kind of how old they are and, and infant, all the, all the pieces. But our desire as a church, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, our desire as a church is that we uh, proclaim him, and we do that in such a way that our heart is to present every person complete in Christ. That's what Paul said in Colossians 1, 28. He says, we proclaim him admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ for this purpose. This is a purpose that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. He says, for this purpose, I labor, I strive uh, according to his power, which mightily works within me. Here's something that I want you to, to, to not forget. Christians are meant to grow. Okay, when we come to faith in Christ, that is not the finish line. Uh, being saved is not the end. Christians are meant to grow. Churches are meant to grow Christians. That's the purpose. We gather and we glorify God. Uh, Christians are meant to grow. Churches, when we gather together as the body of Christ, we gather in relationship with one another, that we are meant to grow Christians as, as the Spirit of God works through the Word of God, right? But we are meant in that, and, and the Christians then are meant to grow the church. Look at verse 3. He says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So he says, if you have experienced his grace and you've been transformed, you've been changed, okay, you've got to be uh, transferred before you can be transformed. You've got to be saved. But he says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, it's going to change everything about what you build your life on. It's going to change everything uh, about uh, the, how you view the things of this world. You're going to be willing to leave behind some things that you may like a lot, right? That you may enjoy a lot because you're longing for something that is nourishing. And, 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 and it takes some time. You know, we dig into the Word of God. and There's a discipline that it takes to engage in the Word of God. Uh, it's not always easy, but we grow in love by the Word. We grow in our longing for the Word. And look at verse 4. We grow together by the Word. And we're going to look in these next verses and see how God together is growing us up, and he's growing us up for a purpose. Look at verse 4. He says, And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Now, Peter gives this picture of a cornerstone, and so there's this picture of this stone, and the stone that would be laid first, and especially in this time, and even in, in our time, I can imagine the importance of this, but with our lasers and all the different things, but in that time, just picturing this cornerstone, and it was this stone that would be the very first thing that would be laid, and it was so important that that stone be laid, and that it be perfectly straight, and it be in just the right spot, because everything else in this building analogy is built off of that. That in order for the walls to be straight, in order for everything to be lined up, it has to have this cornerstone, and there has to be a, a great uh, 
picture of that being placed in the perfect way. And so as Peter's describing this, they would understand that picture. And he says that this cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And he says that that this cornerstone was rejected by men. John chapter 1 verse 11 says he came to his own and his own received him not. He was rejected by men. But then he says as many as received him, he gave them the right to become sons and daughters of God. He is choice, right? The unbelievers and those, even his own people, they were looking for a Messiah that looked different. They were looking for a a different uh, king to come, and they rejected the Lord Jesus, but he is choice. He is chosen and precious in the sight of God. They rejected and crucified our Lord, but God raised him up. And then verse 5, he says, you also, boy, this is some incredible, this is incredible good news for us, right? He says, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are, as followers of Jesus Christ, living stones, and congratulations, you and I are part of the greatest building project that there has ever been, right? The greatest uh, building, a spiritual house, right? The church, and it's built on the cornerstone, on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. We have the cornerstone that we are able to look at, and we are able to model everything about our lives. We're able uh, to look like that. We're able, and, and, and here's the truth, either you're part of it or you're not and the reality is that every part of a building is adding to it and either we are part of this spiritual building that God is building through his church or we are not and as the cornerstone can I remind you that he is first David Morgan who's our deacon of the week in the Bible app uh, just in the last week uh, said you know my favorite verse is Matthew 6 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you and here's this cornerstone this foundation stone and every part of this building called the church all of us living stones welcome home right this is we are family part of this spiritual house it's built upon him and he is first in all things and so for him to be first in our lives right he is the the center and first in those things he's first in our family he's first in our marriage he's first in our work you know going back to our study on Wednesday night Ed we were talking and we said hey here are all these different jobs and all these different purposes and all these different places that God has placed believers that were in that room and there was this talk that said well what about this job sometimes I don't feel like uh, because I'm doing this job that maybe it is bringing glory to God but one of the uh, we, we called them the chaperones right Bob and Debbie Burke they were the ones that had been married the longest right they were still youth at heart they were not saying y'all are old by any means but they were in there and there were chaperones and Bob said hey even our work is worship and, and the reality is though if we're trying to find satisfaction in the things of this world and all of the, the work that we do the school that we're in the popularity all the different things if we're trying to find satisfaction from the things of this world this Reese cup is never going to give me the nourishment that I may need to grow uh, in, in, in a way that I want to grow right and if we're trying to find satisfaction in the things of this world it is never going to measure up it's never but when he's first in our day when he's first in our lives when he's first in those things when he's glorified in those things we we are able to to use and be used for his glory and we're going to see that that ultimately is the purpose of all these things we're living stones build up number one is a spiritual house we grow together you'll never grow alone the way that you will together uh, in relationships with other believers right we grow we make disciples we grow in discipleship in intentional accountable relationships with other believers that's how that works and he says you're being living stones built up for a holy priesthood now in the old testament the priesthood and the temple two very uh, different things and according to peter in this 
verse, you're being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. He, he gives this picture of us being the temple and the priesthood. In the Old Testament, the, the priesthood would minister at the temple, right? And the priest would represent the people to God, right? The prophets, they would, uh, they would represent uh, God to the people. And here he says there's this picture of one in the same. And, and as, as a priesthood of believers, we have access because Jesus is our great high priest. He's our mediator. We have access to the very throne of God. We as followers of Jesus Christ, we have access to the word of God. We proclaim the word of God. And, and we as a temple, as a priesthood, are sent to the people, right? We, we are a royal priesthood. Scripture says we are being built up as a spiritual house. In verse 6, he says, For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. When we trust in him, when he's first, in our life, when we're putting him first in our school, in our work, in everything that's going on. Because here's the deal. We can give our life to all kinds of things. They're, they're, the world gives a bill, a lie, right, a bill that, that we can find satisfaction in all these different things. It's like the Hot Wheel that the kid sees at the grocery store, and he says, you know what, if I just had that Hot Wheel, everything would be good in my life. And I'm willing to lay down on the floor and pitch a fit and give up my dignity and everything else. I don't have any. I don't care what anybody thinks because I'm going to pour my life toward that because I know if I get that, it's going to satisfy everything I need. And none of those things will ever be satisfied. But, but he says, he who believes in him will not be disappointed, right? All Anything apart from purpose in Christ will disappoint. C.T. Studd said, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. In verse 7, he says, it is a precious value. He says, this precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. The entire church. The spiritual house takes its shape from him, and it is precious. He is precious to those who are in Christ. And to this world, it is foolishness. To this world, to pour our very lives out and to give, and to say, you know what, I want to I live my life in, in a way that proclaims not my own glory, but glorifies him. I, I want to do life with other believers. I want to live my life in that kind of way. It is precious to those who are in Christ, but it is foolishness to a world that doesn't believe. Here we are, we grow in this body. We grow as living stones. We are built up for a purpose, and it is to proclaim the greatness of who he is. Look at verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have an incredible purpose as his people, appointed to be a holy nation, his own possession, right? A special possession. We, we say often, and I say this often, right? God's will is not lost, right? We know through his word what our purpose is. And, and the reality is, if you're looking for God's will for your life, the first thing you've got to understand is that you've been bought with a price and it's not your life, that you're to glorify God with your life. And that is your purpose. He says that there's this special possession, right? Look at verse 9. He says that, that a people for God's own possession so that Here's the reason he said, so that you may proclaim, so that you may declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And we've got to be transferred before we can be transformed. 
Right? We've got to be changed by His grace before we can be transformed. His ultimate purpose in everything that He does. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7 says that everything that He does, God's purpose in everything that He does is designed and, and made to proclaim and give Him glory, to glorify Him and to bring Him praise. And we... We, through the people of God, as we worship Him together, right? We had an opportunity as we sang together. We declared His praises. It is both worship in places like this, in our cars, in our homes. It is the, the, the praises that we might give Him, but it is also the evangelism and the sharing of the good news of His saving wonders to all people everywhere. That is worship to our great God. That is the way that we praise Him. And He said we praise Him proclaiming the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous Light. Right? We, we see this picture of the Word that, that transforms us and changes us. And then we see us redeemed, given a purpose that we might proclaim. Right? We all have a story of how He transferred us from the kingdom of darkness. If you are in Christ, you have a story, how you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of, of His beloved Son, right there, that we've been transferred from the dominion of darkness to his kingdom, that we've been saved, that we've been set apart, and that story we proclaim, right? There's a, a word, right, that, that we have received. We are born again according to the word of God. I can remember December 27, 2002, when God's word penetrated my heart and my soul. Man, when, when I heard a word from his word, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, and it came personally to me. The Bible says that, that God's word is, is sharp, like a two-edged sword, right? And it, it, it cuts, and it's perfectly in the way that it divides, in the way that it penetrates our heart. And as God's people, we come to God in prayer. We seek him, and we go out as ministers of the word. We get in the word until the word gets into us. And God brings truth and his word to our hearts that will fit and cut and work in the midst of the needs of those around us. We proclaim his goodness as we share of his grace, as we share of his gospel. And we are a spiritual house holy priesthood, to declare the excellencies of his saving wonders to all people. We grow in love. We grow in his word. And we grow together in his work. And we are so blessed to be part of the spiritual house. Right? Living stone, stone upon stone. The family of God. Verse 10, he says, For you once were not a people. Now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are saved through his word. We might proclaim the excellencies of who he is, that we might be built up, established on the cornerstone, right? That our lives might be built upon him, that we might display and model and love like Jesus, that we may allow the Spirit of God to live in us and through us in a way that would change us from the inside out and that would cause us to declare His greatness to all people. But the reality is that we've got to be transferred before we can be transformed. We've got to be born again, right? And Peter started out this chapter and he said, you've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and I, I just want to ask you this morning, I don't know where you're at in 
just the whole path of discipleship. I don't know, maybe you're a new Christian and you would say, you know what, I'm an infant. Maybe you're somebody that says, you know what, I've been uh, kind of on this journey for a long time. You know, there were a few years back that I began to look and I said, what does it look like to be a disciple? What does it look like to really follow Christ? What does it look like to make disciples, which is what we're called to do, right? God's, God's people, right? We're called Christians. We're called to grow. And then we're called to help others grow, right? We're called to make disciples. I began to look at my life and I said, you know what, God, I'm not even sure that I'm a disciple. You've called me to preach and proclaim the good news of, of who you are, but if I'm not making disciples and I'm not pouring in to other people and I'm not living in this, then, then at best I'm afraid that so many times in the church uh, in America and, and, and all around and, and we just have to examine ourselves, but the church can be filled with people who have never grown past the stage of a child. And the reality is that we've been called, every one of us, to be spiritual parents, that we might grow in our walk with Christ, and we might understand that we have a purpose to make disciples in this world, and that we might give our lives to that foolishness to this world, that we might pour our lives into something like that, but precious to those who are in Christ. I don't know where you're at in there, but I want to encourage you to take your next step. I want to encourage you to say, you know what, I'm no longer content to be uh, in this stage. There might be people that have been Christians for 50 years, and you say, you know what, the reality is that I'm still a child, and I've never grown past that, but I understand that God desires that we might, that I might grow, and I'm going to grow. Here's the way that we grow, right? We are saved by His Word, and we grow uh, in His Word, and we do that uh, in His Word in our own study, and also with other believers. But we say, you know what, I'm no longer content to stay that way. And that had to be a place that I got to in my own life. I said, you know what, I'm no longer going to be content to nourish on the things of this world, but I'm going to pour myself into His Word, into other people that I might walk and bring Him glory. I don't know where you're at, but I want to encourage you to take your next step. You may be here and you say, you know what, I know that I'm living for myself, that I have never been saved, that, that I've never uh, been changed by the Word of God, uh, that I've never repented of my sin and surrendered my life to Christ and maybe God's speaking to you uh, this morning and you can be uh, transferred from uh, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son but wherever you are at I pray that God's word will meet you where you're at and so we're going to worship together and we're going to have a time where uh, you can respond uh, you may feel led to come and pray uh, in this altar you may feel led uh, to come and we'd love to take God's word and uh, disconnect and what it looks like to follow Christ and take his word uh, just together and, and engage there, but I pray that not only um, would this word be us, but that God in his spirit might connect our heart in a way that changes us. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the grace that you have given us. Lord, we are so unworthy. God, you loved us anyway, even though while we were still sinners, God, you you demonstrated your love through the cross. And God, I pray, Lord, for believers in this room, God, that you might stir our hearts, God, and help us to, God, give us a longing for your word. God, help us to lay down the things of this world, God, things that, God, distract and things that destroy, God, the love that you desire us to share with those around us, Lord. I pray we would lay down those things, God, that we would lay down the, God, the cravings of our flesh, God, that we might have a longing for your word, God, and a longing for you to be glorified among all people, Lord, and that we might pour our lives into that. God, thank you for allowing us to be part of this spiritual house, God, of, God, of a greater spiritual house as, as believers. 
Lord, all over this world, Lord, all stone upon stone, God, being matured and made into a people, Lord, that would declare the excellencies of your greatness. God, as we close today, Lord, I pray that you will allow us to leave this place worshiping you. God, knowing that God, everything that we have, Lord, is in you, Lord, that we find our, our, our very being, God, in our relationship with you. God, may we bring you glory in all that we do. It's in Christ's name we pray.